a bunch of witty bitches. Hey, Papa. Hey, I have a quip. You have a quip. We'll put that for a quip. It's just cadals. Pero pepo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Witty Banter, episode number 117. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams, joined by the master of analysis, Hunter Dorsett. Really? What kind of analysis? I feel like you're a very analytical person. Okay. I mean, I'll take that. I'll I'll say social analysis. Probably to a fault, I would say. Sometimes our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses, Hunter. Analysis paralysis is my downfall. Who you don't hear today, though, is the one and only Max Scott. That is because he had his wisdom teeth removed, and he is probably feeling kooky as hell on codeine right now. So he (laughs) couldn't make it. Yeah. Hunter, have you had your wisdom teeth removed? Uh, I did. And uh, luckily I had mine removed whenever I was like 10. Or no, no, no. Yeah. I was probably like a couple years after, like 12. And uh, I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember that... Apparently, I was really messed up as they yep. were kind of like carrying me out of the room. Um, and I, I just know that like the later you wait, the worse it is. So Big Maxie right. might be in some in some hurt right now. He might be. And I told him that was my piece of advice, too. As I said, you're going to be really hopped up. You're going to have a lot of energy after the surgery because of those drugs. Yeah, and I dude. was like, don't talk. <laughs> don't say anything. You're going to be feeling great, but you're going to look like a jackass. Whatever's coming <laughs> out of your mouth is not what you think it is. And they, people <laughs> will enjoy it and, and soak in it. It's, it's so one of those things that nowadays you gotta be, you got to be scared about even going into the surgery because everyone's got their phones. Everyone's, I know. Everyone can video you being the biggest jackass you've ever been. Yeah, Darian got her wisdom teeth removed a couple years ago, and her parents were like, when you're on the way home, um, make sure you get her to stay stupid, stay, uh, say su- stupid shit and send it to us. <laughs> I was like, Wow. <laughs> That's a tall order. <laughs> That's family. That is family. But you know, it's also a very familiar, f- almost family to this show, a foundational part of it. What is that? That's beer, dude. That is, that's alcohol made by yeast eaten on sugar <laughs> in a bottle. I'd agree with that. We've been rolling with beer since the foundation of this show, episode one. We're now 117 episodes deep, but that's actually not true. We've got like what 130-ish, maybe, because we've got so many that we haven't listed. Yeah, probably, probably more between the just the quips and the deep cuts. The spring I mean, this break show's specials. got this show's got history, dude. We're what four years deep, coming up on five. Yeah, dude. At the end of September, that'll be four years. That's fucking outrageous. That is unbelievable, and I'm kind of excited to take the show back to its roots. It's just you and I today. That is yeah. the genesis of where the show arose from. And I'll tell you what, Hunter, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently. A lot of my peers on the internet are throwing out a lot of stuff, and uh, I'm gonna say it right now and put my flag in the sand. Ours is still better. We're still rolling <laughs> with the best. No bias whatsoever no in way. that statement. So, I, I do always get tickled whenever, uh, you know, tickled in a good way. Because there's always that bad form of tickle. There's the bad I, tickle. <laughs> I do always get tickled whenever I get the compliments, both from you and from the people that are listening, on the quality. Because I'm like, I like to think that I get to contribute heavily in that aspect. But Hell uh, yeah, man. But yeah, well, it's, it's the content where I fall short. <laughs> yeah, when I have to actually say stuff. <laughs> Let me take a I regret down. it every time. 
Well, look, Hunter, uh, I'm reviewing a beer today. You're reviewing a beer today because that's what Witty Banter does. The beer that I have is actually, I would say, a relatively popular beer amongst the craft beer circles. And this is the Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale. Oh, yes. We have had this one. This beer comes out once a year uh, in limited supply. It's a pretty expensive beer. Um, I remember when I was in like a really big pumpkin phase of like three years ago or so. I remember this one being like the crown jewel. Like if you wanted to get a great pumpkin beer, this is the one that like set the stage. Okay. Um, so I'm excited to have it. I haven't drank it in a long, long time. And this beer actually is a couple years old. We've, we've been aging it, if you will. Oh, shit. Okay. That's so good while shit. I take my, yeah, I'm stoked. Um, let me see what the ABV is if they have it on here. Um, doesn't look like they do. <laughs> you know what? I'm with you, man. That stuff does piss me off. It's just, it's irresponsible. Okay, 7%, right? 7%. There we go. All right. So while I'm taking my first sips over here, let me, let me in on what you're drinking. Okay. So I'm doing an homage to mm. the, uh, the 11 below brewery up, since, guys? since we did not end up getting to have them on air, I figured I'd go ahead and bring another one of their beers to the plate. Sure. And this is the Colorblind Red IPA. I'm following your coattails doing a red IPA. Interesting. And it is 6.2% alcohol by volume, 64 IBUs. And, um, yeah, you know, I just saw it, and I was like, those guys. I wish I could have... Uh, had those guys on there. It's kind of a nostalgic episode. Yeah. I, I would like to uh, remind myself of all the hurt and misery that yeah, came. So I want to <laughs> dig up all the skeletons from the closet, really throw them out there. So I can really get the, the fuel going for this show since we're trying to really uh, drum it up. I got gotcha. you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. You get a little sippy sip in that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. So right off the bat, um, there's a balance to this beer that I can already see, and I feel like I'm going to enjoy as I drink it more. Um, there's already a lot of flavors as well that are very reminiscent of what you would expect in a pumpkin ale, and that is sort of like an allspice, nutmeggy, very fall, uh, almost like a potpourri type of taste that I get in this beer. Um, but it's a full. It's already a full mouthfeel. And I'm I'm looking forward to drinking it throughout the course of the show. Nice. So with this red IPA, I was trying to think, I was like, is that red that I taste? Like I don't know, yeah. like I don't know what the fuck the I'm red more means. Blue on this one. <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but you know, I know I know when you were having your most recent red IPA, you were kind of I guess uh underwhelmed by it not really taking after any of the whatever it makes it a red. It wasn't there. Well, I feel like it totally is here in this one, and I think that's probably just like a mix between really uh, present malt um, yep. flavors and also maybe a little bit of like caramel or like a yeah. just like a graininess almost in it as well. Totally, it's got a very and, candy, almost like toffee sort of wheelhouse. Like yeah, flavors that hover around there. And so it's and so it it, it fully has that. It fully has some of the bitterness that you would expect in an IPA, and it um, the, the the hoppiness, like the hops, are kind of not citrusy. They're just like, but I think I'd go with what you said, like juicy. Yeah, uh, man. Like, yeah, I guess that's that's a that's a new term. I think that we're kind of using a little bit more. But yeah, no, these are this is like a real juicy 
uh, tasting beers, and I'm digging it right now. Yeah, I mean, something I can't get over here because that's a Houston local brewery, man, so enjoy it for me. I will live vicariously through your flavor descriptions. Oh, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll do it for you, buddy. Yeah, put it up there. All right. Uh, you know what? Without further ado, let's just fucking bounce right into it. This is Witty Banter. Oh, man. You know what I was thinking about doing the other day while I was practicing my beeps as normal? Oh, um, naturally. Oh, the uh, the blue frog guy who did the uh, the little car sounds. He's like, bring, ding, 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 I was like, I need to make a beep like that. Dude, I forgot all about that guy. <laughs> there was some. I mean, we we kind of got to see the first wave of a lot of like internet viral videos, fucking like, e bombs world, stupid videos. We were on the precipice. We saw the monkey sniffing his finger and falling off the tree. You know, we were there. For that I seriously like am excited to be from the generation that brought that shit to fruition. You know what I mean? Like we're going to we're going to have kids that have their entire lives for the last 20 decades or whatever have always been a part of that and then they'll look to us and be like, "What was it like to be the first fucking people to witness and Dude. bring to popularity the internet?" We'll be like, "It was awesome." <laughs> yeah, it was the best. <laughs> I know. I think times are going to feel very quaint when we look back on them in maybe like 10 years, you know? Yeah. We got to live up. We got to live it up as we can. But let's go ahead and take a gaze towards the horizons of the future. We've got some news items. We're running the show on classic mode today. We're in the classic shell. We've, we've changed up the format recently. We've let Max really make his mark, which by the way, he's been on like what, over half the episodes now? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty, he, that's pretty crazy. I think, he, I think we made him an official member at like sixty-two, uh-huh. and he was he was on. We had the five show initiation for him, yep. and uh, and he was on the show probably like six times before that. So definitely over half. Um, and I was thinking about it too. I think Dunter has emailed in on over half the episodes as well. So we've got some we've got some big contributors in the second half of this uh, of this show. Yeah, it's nuts. It doesn't feel like the show has been alive as long as it has or even change as much as it actually has when you look at the actual numbers of it you look at the heat maps <laughs> it's pretty intense all right hunter um i think i heard correctly when you said that you have a little piece of news that you want to bring to the table we'll start with you first since i have a few more you can lead us into uh what we're talking about yeah we'll get my garbage out of the way first yeah, now clear that shit off the table and we'll get the main course <laughs> on the way the appetizer news content today and I know that this is going to it's going to push your buttons a little bit chase. But yeah, I hope I like you know it. I like it have them that I would never I would never do anything or purposefully do anything that would ruin something for you or oh. purposefully piss you off. But Oh, got you. Okay. This is Thank you thank you for the trigger warning. It's related it's related to Game of Thrones. I'm not going to talk about anything cont- like story related. Yes. I'm just going to say you're keeping H- me in the padded room. HBO a couple weeks ago got a major hack into their system and it made national news they got hacked by these hackers that are like straight up they leaked it online and then the episode four i think online and then they stole an episode yeah so they've leaked it online and people were watching it beforehand which i don't know about you like if you have something that you're fucking waiting for your your hands are clenched waiting for this thing to come out 
and then somebody fucking gives it to you like a day early. Are you, I mean, considering that you'll wait in line for a fucking day for something to happen, are you yeah. going to watch that shit early? It depends on if I become complicit in any sort of illegal action, right? Let's say you're definitely not going to get caught. It's really just a, a gut check feeling. I would probably wait. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that like buys all of his games digitally just so all the money goes to the right people. You know, like <laughs> I feel I'm like saying. I have Yeah, I feel like I have a pretty good set of like principled action, you know. Oh, for sure. I for you for sure. And like <laughs> then I'm the same way. I'm like maybe with other things if I didn't care about it as much, like some of the new uh, anime that gets put out, if uh, the next Dragon Ball Super episode got leaked tonight, I'd, I'd watch it. I don't right. I don't feel bad about that. But with Game of Thrones, I'm like, dude, that's literally the one thing on Sunday that I look forward to. Sunday that's is sacred. kind of a re- reparation, like, you got to clean up the house and do all this shit, but at the end of Sunday, uh huh, it's a Game of Thrones night. Fucking anyway, dragons. it gets leaked, and people are watching it and shit, episode four. Then the next week, whenever episode five is supposed to come out, they, start, they send a letter to HBO, and they're like threatening them for ransom. They're basically like, what the fuck? I'm trying to play Joker and Riddler straight up here. And like, they send a little ransom note and they're like, we're going to ruin it for fucking HBO. And I don't know exactly yeah, we're gonna what it's We're going to ruin said. it for HBO. <laughs> I don't know. You exactly. guys have had a long run. It's totally an- anti establishment bullshit. But they didn't list like a certain price or anything. Uh, HBO is basically like, well, we, we still have system integrity. Like, they didn't, they didn't completely hack our shit. Like, we're good. And then they like posted an email that like one of the top executives had, and they're like, oh, "Are no. you sure, bro?" Oh no! <laughs> and then to 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 pile it on for this next episode, uh, episode six, they fucking accidentally had some carrier. I think it was. Let me let me look it up. I have an article here. They had a carrier that was HBO Nordic and HBO España, and. Gotcha fucking they leaked it online accidentally they like accidentally put the show the, the next episode on air and then they're like oh shit and they took it off someone people, got fired obviously it took about a minute for everyone to download it and share yeah. it on every other website and so i'm like dude that's three straight like weeks of people being inundated with leaks and just everyone like everyone really not getting to experience it the way they thought they would and right. um, I don't know. I just thought it was like it's funny because this going hand in hand with like political leaks and all this shit is uh-huh. like, are we just in leak time? Is yeah. that what this means? That there's no. I mean, I think we're definitely in a lesser privacy time, right? Where that's it's continuing to dwindle. But it's like, is there not really keeping the lids on anything anymore? And like, what's the deal with? How how is it the case that Game of Thrones is so fucking popular that these people like that is what they're that's the target to ransom. It's like, <laughs> dude, this piece of entertainment is so prolific. We're not trying to steal bank accounts. We're not trying to get access codes for corporate <laughs> espionage. We're just trying to steal TV shows. Yeah. And that's and that's like it's so funny just because you know, it's a part of the whole troll nature, kind of like ruining shit for people. And I actually, uh, again, I listened to, there's a been a string of, what are they called, Radiolab podcasts that have come out. And the most recent one, they were talking about Shia LaBeouf and how he did his, like, uh, 
like they will not divide us and they just had this whole population of trolls gather on a forum and fucking like figure out pinpointed where he put this flag that was pointing at a sky and like there's no way they should have been able to find it and they found it in a day and (laughs) oh my god yeah i mean that's that's a very rough uh shitty interpretation of what the actual podcast talked about but basically trolls were ruining shia labeouf's like he will not divide us art act quote unquote and uh so then he just put a flag waving saying he will not divide us pointing into the sky and they fucking tracked it down in a day <laughs> in the middle of that's a field. That's scary, dude. That's weird. <laughs> so what people put their minds to, whether it be hacking Game of Thrones or fucking figuring out where a flag in a field in the middle of Tennessee is. Yeah. I think the shit is basically like always leak proof or not never leak proof, yeah. I should say. We're safe now, actually. Never leak proof. You should just expect the shit's going to get leaked. All right, man. Um, so I got a few news stories here. We'll okay. uh, we'll sit in them as long as we need to. If they go long, great. If not, they can be a little quickfire style. As always. First one comes from Reuters. The title is Amazon Ads Instant Pickup in U.S. Brick and Mortar Push. And the article reads, Amazon Incorporated is rolling out U.S. pickup points where shoppers can retrieve items immediately after ordering them, shortening delivery times from hours to minutes in its latest move into brick-and-mortar retail. The world's largest online retailer has launched instant pickup points around five college campuses on Tuesday. Amazon has plans to add the program to more sites by the end of the year. Hunter, I just want to get a general understanding of what your take is here. We've got Amazon moving more and more into actual physical locations. You know, we talked about how they want to do these um, grocery stores where you don't have to deal with a cashier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Recently, they bought Whole Foods. And now we're looking at brick and mortar pickup points for Amazon. Uh, I just want to get, I kind of want to just talk about Amazon and, and where it's come from and what it's done and, and sort of where its trajectory seems to be going with all this new information. Well, first off, it makes sense, right? Because in logistics, the more waypoints that you have, the more distribution uh, availability you have for everybody at that waypoint, right? So that makes sense. But it's kind of weird because this is counterintuitive to all of the other agendas that Amazon has got going on with the fucking drone deliveries. I hear that they're going to have like distribution centers that are fucking blimps that are flying around. Fucking they'll blimps. Like, they'll like basically have a huge blimp warehouse full of goods flying around and they send drones that'll freaking, you know, go to places and come back. And I'm just like, okay, crazy. But then they're also doing brick and mortar, which is a revert from everything that we know. Because it's like, okay, well, that's why Blockbuster lost. Yeah. Is because yep. it, people are being, you know, stuck in brick and mortar, but now they're reestablishing the brick and mortar movement. I don't know. It's just like, I can't even follow what they're really going to be doing. I think it makes sense. Um, but I can't tell whether or not I'm going to be like going to an Amazon store or whether they're going to continue delivering via FedEx or if I'm going to get a drone at my door. It's just like, they might just take over the world. <laughs> so, so in the article, um, it mentions that this is what they're what they're aiming for first with these pickup points are items such as like snacks and food and stuff like that. And and what the quote down here says is, um, this is Amazon's director of student programs says. 
If I want to buy a can of Coke because I'm thirsty, there's no chance I'm going to order that on Amazon.com and wait for however long it's going to take that to ship to me. And then with the new, about the new program, he says, I can provide that kind of service here. And when I read that, I was like, man, Amazon wants so badly to be the dominant force in just peddling goods that they're opening brick and mortar stores so that you'll fucking buy Coke from them. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems it's crazy. It's like, it's like, where do you stop? Like why? Like why? It, I, to me, it's like, man, they love money so much that they're even going after the fucking Cokes, you know? Like, right. My well, God. yeah, they're, they're basically, um, they're reducing the, um, the amount per package that is needed in order to make it profitable. You know what I mean? Like now it's just anything that you fucking desire. If you want a pixie stick, then mm-hmm. I, I go to Amazon for it. And that's, I think that was a big push why they went with Whole Foods. I mean, it made sense to me. I read an article about it. I was like, well, the one thing that people aren't going to buy from Amazon is fresh foods. So if you make this sort of effort where you have like established points that are nearby that are involved with the local scene where you can get fresh foods and single cans of Coke and your goldfish bags and you know, whatever the fuck you want, then it, you know, it, 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 it basically you're, you're left asking why would I do anything other than Amazon? Sure. Yeah. And even with, uh, and I don't know, and like to wrap up this story, I don't know if they're going to end up having more pickup points for more traditional deliveries, but I know that, like when I'm checking a uh, a tracking number on a package and it's like, oh, it's in your city but out for delivery, I'm just sitting there all day like, okay, uh, can I fucking have it now? <laughs> and I would be I would be totally down if they had a pickup center and it said, oh, it's at the pickup center. I'm cool going to drive out and get it. Like it coming for to sure. me in a couple of days was already such a decrease in the amount of time I had to wait to buy it that t- honestly taking a little more of the control out of Amazon's hands and into my own so I could have more... I can have more say over when I receive it. Like that sounds fine. Yeah, and that and that's and that's frustrating too. And it's like, you know, you're ordering something from New York or fucking Britain, and it and you're like, how did it get from Britain to Houston in six hours? And then it takes, <laughs> s- you know, four days for it to go from Houston to my door. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, this next article comes from the Washington Post and. It's really more, uh, I think a lot of the video game audience that listens to this is going to be aware of it, but I wanted to sort of bring this onto the show so I could tell you about it and get kind of your reaction. Okay, shoot. So the international tournament for Dota 2 went down last week as of this recording, all right? Okay. And there was a total prize pool of $25 million. And the article here is, these five gamers just won $11 million playing Dota 2. (laughs) <laughs> and I want to and I want to talk to you about the grand prize that the champions of this tournament took home, which is eleven million dollars. Okay. And that's a comparison. That's in comparison, and they put it out here to Tom Brady, who only received one hundred eighty-three thousand dollars for winning the Super Bowl. Um, and essentially, I was sh- I'm I'm shocked every year at the prize pool. This year is, of course, bigger than it was the year before, and it continues to um, continues to grow. What do you make of the premier esports game paying out eleven million dollars to the winning team? How absurd is that statistic? Um, it's pretty absurd. Um, 
I think, you know, I don't want to bag it as though, you know, you don't deserve that much or whatever. Like, I don't want it to put be that way, but there's a lot of people that put just as much time into things that are probably way more strenuous than video games, uh, and they're the fucking best at it, and they don't get paid shit. Like... The best sprinters in the world, the best surfers in the world, the best cricket players in the fucking world. I guarantee you they're not getting paid $11 million to win a championship. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I guess, I mean, I think it just kind of illustrates to me how disparate my image, or like how the discrepancy between how much I would think that should be worth and how much it's beginning to balloon you know i mean like i would just worry that it starts ballooning at such a pace where it's like the way that they they said you know tom brady gets paid one hundred eighty three thousand for a super bowl maybe as like a very minimal small three tabs over point in his contract but he's getting paid fucking bank outside Every of just day, the yeah. super bowl you know um and and the thing with quarterbacks is like and CEOs and baseball players and big soccer players is you have this big pricing competition and then it just swells the whole thing where it's like, I'm going to pay 25 million because that guy will pay 23 million and I need to outdo him. And then you have everybody doing that until it gets like way out of hand. And so it'll be interesting to see whether or not esports will like retain like a, a, a value that seems reasonable or if people are just yeah. going to get paid more and more and more. Because it's just more and more popular. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And like, I was watching it. Uh, so I don't play Dota, and I don't really know much about it. But whenever the international's on, um, I try to keep it on. Like, I'll usually have a stream going on, at, like on my desktop at work, and I'll have I'll have headphones in, and almost like listening to any other sports game on the radio. It's just like when I hear things start to pick up. And the announcers are, are talking faster, and, the, and mm-hmm. I hear the crowd like warming up. I'll look over, and I, I've always found it entertaining. Like I like watching the game. I think the game is pretty. Okay, um, it's fun in motion. Uh, but an, another thing was I saw they were interviewing people from the crowd, and they were like, "Hey, so like, what do you think about the competition today, or whatever?" And the guy who answered, I think, really the whole interaction kind of. Put was a great example as to why I, I still have so much respect for all of this for this new push into esports, right? And the dude was um, he was cl- he had a really thick accent, so he's I think he was probably like an international uh, fan who came in for the event, okay. and he basically said like, you know, I'm I'm here because I have I have tremendous respect for these players, you know, for the dedication that they put in and for the skills that they have, and above all else, I just want to see some good competition today, and I'm excited to watch. Dota 2 and I was like man <laughs> like that's so cool that this guy all these people here are, are so passionate about this sport and what they see in this sport is the same kind of things that I see in like Formula One the same kind of interactions and things that I would say about this other sport that I love and I don't know just seeing those analogs and, and despite it being a video game there's still being like this kind of universal acclaim to it as a competitive event I just thought was really cool yeah yeah no that's it's like, what a respectable standpoint. <laughs> yeah, exactly um, <laughs> right. We can't make fun of this guy for being a nerd, damn it. <laughs> and going back, I mean, like, I just hope that, I hope it's one of those things where it doesn't, like, um, I mean, kind of uh, uh, going back to what I was saying before, like, I hope that the value stays 
where people and these prize monies and like the competition and people's interest is all sort of like on a similar playing field and it doesn't balloon in one way, you know, out of control, mostly because I hope that esports can like stay not corrupted by money. I think that would be, I think it would be yeah. just really cool to have a new thing come up and for it to not be super politicized and, you know, I, I think it would be, just be nice to have pure good old fashioned competition and a pure good old fashioned purse at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, <laughs> sure thing. I mean, there's, there's been even really interesting conversations that have happened on like ESPN that I've seen where you kind of have some of these old guard guys who are like, I just don't get it. I don't understand <laughs> why you'd want to watch other people play video games. And they got into a conversation. I can't forget the woman's, I forget the woman's name who was the anchor, but I was extremely impressed with her uh, handling of this guy because she talked about like the physical aspect of, of playing these games and sort of how much practice goes into it all. And there was a very particular poignant moment where the guy said, like, it takes physical skill to put a ball in a hoop. And, sh- and then her response was, it takes physical skill for these people to basically the keyboard and the mouse are the interface for them to put that ball in the hoop, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I was like, yes, you know, finally there's a voice out there who is, who is speaking to the physical dexterity that is required to play these games. And anyway, and there, there is a, there is a bridge. I actually saw this and I was like, dude, I think I could get into this, which was fucking drone racing. Oh, have you seen this dude, shit? It's dude, it's fucking outrageous. But it's basically it is. video game playing, but like real life shit happening. Yeah, so like they're wearing these like VR headsets of the cameras <laughs> that are on their drones, and it is exhilarating to watch these <laughs> yeah. point of views, dude. Like they're they'll be going going fast as shit. Yeah, they're hauling ass, and they're basically just going through gates. Like you just got to pass through a, a series of gates. Whoever gets through, through get, gets through all the gates first wins. First yeah. of all, I'm already a fan of racing, so I understand how the sport works. So yes. I have that t- dialed in. But the maneuvers that they're doing are incredible, and they put they do them in these like weird warehouses. And I'm telling you, dude, <laughs> how cool would it be if you opened up just like a really cool bar, and you and me and Max got to go hang out, watch these drone races while socializing? I was like, dude, I'd be totally in. I would be totally down for that. <laughs> me too, dude. It it was exhilarating. Or to put on a fucking VR headset and do it yourself. That would be yeah, sick. and participate. Yeah. No, yeah, we should, maybe we can try to add that into the mix of, of sort of industries that we cover, you know, because yeah. we, 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 we keep on touching on esports and stuff. I don't know, maybe we start talking about drone I feel races. like that was like a perfect fusion between like reality sports and esports, you know, where right. you're basically not doing anything. You're, you're, you're just con- using a controller, but you're, effe- you're controlling shit that's really happening in real life. So it's pretty cool. It is cool. All right. Um, the last thing I want to touch on before we head into halftime isn't really a news story, but um, I mean, I guess it is news, but no one has formally written about it. So there is a Twitter account um, called Archelect, and it's run by a guy named Murat Pack. And what Archelect is, is an algorithmic curating bot that essentially posts images based on a large series of algorithms. And it's grown in popularity at a pretty substantial pace. I think I started following it a little over a year ago when it was a little bit smaller and it's continued to balloon and balloon. And people like John Carmack, 
who, of course, is one of the co-founders of id, one of the creator of the first-person shooter, um, okay. a very influential member in the video game industry, but also just sort of known as a genius all around. He's also the guy that we talked a lot about with the lawsuits with um, Oculus yeah. and, and all that. So, mm-hmm. And you, know, you see people like him who talk about how cool ArcLect is and how inspiring the images are. Um, recently, ArcLect has created a Patreon page. And Patreon is sort of a place where you can go and you can volunteer to pay monthly subs- a monthly subscription of price to any sort of Patreon that's been created. So if you and I created a witty banter Patreon, people could subscribe and for like $5 a month, maybe they'd get something special, right? And it's a way, yeah. to, it's a way to crowdfund. It's like a Kickstarter, but for subscription shit. Exactly. Well, our collect has created one and I basically just want to pimp this Patreon page out. It's, it's our, it's started, um, and it's only got like 26 patrons. It's not very big yet. And I want to spread the word a little bit. And the reason I want to spread the word is because I think what Patreon or what Arcollect is doing is one, just really cool. And two, the aesthetic that they go for and the images that they post are like right in line with all of my tastes and interests. But most importantly, the guy who is running it is clearly very, very intellectual. And I want to see what he can do with more funding. And I want to see where this project can okay. go. Okay. And so I'm going to read a little bit about Arcollect, um, which is off of its its website. Okay. Just so the, the, the audience knows a little bit about it and so you can learn a little bit about it as well. But awesome. it says, Arcollect has an algorithm that has fed a list of keywords. Instead of posting the search results directly, she wiki walks between pages and posts, collecting data on various items, image, poster, recent interactions, and the visible audience of the post. She maps the social structure of these items by mining as much data as possible from each one of them. This abstract structure helps Arcollect find positive results, but more importantly, allows her to discover related keywords and eventually learn. The balance and threshold of keywords and picks are dynamically adjusted as Arcolect's posts on social media gain attention. This not only makes the decision-making process nearly human, but also gives her a primitive trend perception. It's a really cool bot. It's, it's a very an AI. Com- it is an AI. Fuck. It's an AI that is essentially finding very cool artistic images and posting them, and it's a, and it it inspires me on a daily basis. It's and something it, that I look. And it's not making images, right? It's just it's just taking stuff from different keywords that are input and it's putting it out there and i guess the string is what you're following the string of what it's posting yes um absolutely and like especially recently like uh images from like the matrix have shown up wow Uh, i've seen some very cool video game content has started to show up a lot okay and so i just identify a lot with what is posted on here so i wanted to pimp the the patreon uh it's just search arcollect on patreon.com um, put money in there if you want. Become a patron of this project. Uh, of this project, and we'll see where it goes, man. I, th- I think it's pretty exciting. That is awesome. Uh, at first, like I thought you were. At first, I thought you were saying that that it was a, a bot that was creating art. That everyone was like, "Fuck yeah, yeah, no, that'd be nuts." Because <laughs> like that's gonna because that that's that that's kind of shit's happening right now. Like um, Facebook had two different interpreter bots. 
that were like talking to each other and created their own language. Oh, and every they, time, every and, like, time no one AIs talk, they were fucking yes. saying they're like, "We gotta shut this shit down." Yeah, dude. Every <laughs> time a- they let AIs talk to each other, they immediately start communicating in ways that we can't track, and that's honestly what is probably the scariest thing about AI. <laughs> Fuck yeah! It's like what happens when AI talks in a language that humans can't understand. You know, and, it's and not only that, but they can talk to each other like simultaneously and in great numbers. You know, yeah, all over the fucking world. Yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's not future, but our collect. Yes. Yes. All right, man. That is all the news. Let's take a moment, recollect ourselves, recollect our thoughts, and uh, we'll be back after this little halftime break. Perfect. If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review. And feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. All right, man. You, you were entering the realm of like squeaky balloon on that one. It's not anywhere close to squeaky door of Chase's San Diego apartment, though. Which you might hear a little featured audio from <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Who knows? Hunter, how is the red IPA treating you? I'm going to tell you. You know how I was saying on the last episode, or maybe a couple episodes ago, there was a beer I had, and I was like, well, I haven't drank a whole lot of it, and it's not because I'm holding back, and it's not because um, you know I, I could chug it, and I just want to be able to chug it at the end. I'm purposefully holding back on this one because yeah, uh, and I'm already past halfway done because it's really oh, good. Oh man, uh, it's really good. I really like it. Um, I'm not super familiar with red IPAs, um, but I would imagine that this would be a great starter I- red IPA if you were gonna try and be like, what is a red IPA? I'd give somebody this shit. You know, it's really good. Nice. Do you get a lot of the IPA side of it because? In my mind, like, I know red ale, and I know, like, Irish red ales. That's the style um, that comes to mind. Like, when I hear red anything in beer descriptions, that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that side of things, and that's where all that malty caramel stuff is, like we were talking about. But do you get a sense that this was an IPA cross with that? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's interesting, because I feel like what you get is your first whiff, like, your first little bit of taste is mostly the red, like grainy caramelly kind of kind of stuff and then you get washed over with hoppy bitterness that's that that juicy hoppy bitterness but then at the back end of it it kind of goes back to like malty and um so i definitely do get um like ipa um and it's not lacking on that in any sense of the world but it's but it's sandwiched with other stuff that i don't normally associate with ipa um, so yeah, really digging it. Well, the, the pumpkin ale, dude, it is opened up. This is one of the more complex beers I've had in a long time. Like, yeah, I almost don't want to try to endeavor to describe all the flavors that are in here because <laughs> of how flavorful it actually is. Is it because you've aged it with such uh, yes. precision and such the, anticipation? The, I kept the dial of the <laughs> thermometer perfect in the refrigerator for Fucking, years. Yeah, that reminds me of when we went to uh, the BBQ or whatever, the brew BQ, 
And the guy was like, well, if you want to do it right, you might as well get a 55-degree refrigerator. And it's like, well, (laughs) I don't know if we can do that, but we'll try. It's like, we smell enough of our own farts on our show. We will keep (laughs) the refrigerator out. Our podcast is better than everyone, and our beer is better. Our podcast is the best. (laughs) Um. No, this beer is very full-bodied, and it lingers in a very enjoyable way like an ale should, and you just get a very full taste of that gourd-like quality that a pumpkin is, you know? Um, and it's just got the, the spices of of fall, you know? It's summertime now, but hell, it, it tastes like fall, so I'm definitely enjoying it, and I'm stoked to see how it turns out towards the end. Okay, well, that sounds good. All right, dude. Um, I don't have a lot planned for this la- this the the segment of the show, the meat and potatoes, and that's because look, as much as I hate to say it, Max fills a great role in providing games, and I'm not about to try to come in and take that from him. The game warden role was bestowed with a lot of weight and emphasis, and he stepped up to the plate. In fact, the games are some of my favorite parts of the show. It's not easy to make a good competitive game. It's not. We did give him some good starter kit options. Yeah, I mean, we came equipped with a lot of fucking tried and true <laughs> witty banner classic. We can't give him too much credit now. But, yeah, and I mean, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, because I think we've, uh, we've talked about other ideas that are forthcoming with new ideas, like an anime game. I'm totally down for that. That would be fucking yep. awesome. It's going to be good, dude. Now, we do have a little bit of housekeeping, though. Last week, we got a question about who would you want fighting an army of demons? And one of the choices you had to make was a video game character. And the yes. three of us were split. Right. You, of course, said Geralt from The Witcher. I said the Doom Marine. And Max came at us with Dante from Devil May Cry. Right. And there was no, there was no capitulation on any side. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be done. Nope. Well, Couldn't I put a poll out. To the Witty Banter Nation on Twitter. And they fucking responded in droves, my man. Okay. 23 votes. The results are in. Are you ready? Sure. I, I already know what they're going to be because I feel like we might have a biased Twitter community. 26% for Dante from Devil May Cry. Okay. 26% for Geralt of Rivia. Oh, fuck yeah. I thought I was getting 0%. <laughs> <laughs> We got some Geralt fans. Good. But then, the correct choice, we have a 48% vote for the Doom Marine, my man. Well, it is what it is. That's a, it, you know. He, he, he looks like he slays. You're saying he shuts portals and shit? Dude, yeah, he closes the gates to hell. How does he do that? With his guns, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots it. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but something we didn't really touch on uh, was like what kind of demons they were. Because when and I was thinking about this, I actually just watched an episode of um, Cowboy Bebop recently that had probably one of the most sinister villains I've ever seen in a, any cartoon ever. Okay. And it made me think about how um, demonic this villain seemed. And how different demons are, like, in our pop culture versus, like, Japanese. Yeah. Yep. And with with that being said, like, someone like Dante, if it was more of, like, the Japanese style, I could totally see that. But. Yeah. Happy to see Doomerang came through. I'm still going with Geralt, man. His Quinn shield is essentially a force field. It's an android barrier. What the fuck are the demons going to do? You know? Wait, so what's, like, the biggest beast that Geralt kills? I sent one in the uh, group message today. They have fiends, 
which is basically just take like take a super rowdy bull, put it to scale times four. It's fucking nice. Hu- it's it's four times bigger than a huge bull, and it's got huge like uh, antlers, and those things are pretty fucking rowdy. Yeah. Um, and then, dude, the griffins and dragons and shit that he takes out are pretty big and monstrous too. So I'm like, dude, Geralt ain't afraid of no motherfucking demons. And I think you're right. Like, I would love to see Geralt do some exorcisms. I want to see Geralt explore that side of demon fighting. Yeah. Um, but pull a, pull a Constantine. Exactly. In other news, real quick, I want to set this up because I want us to do this for next week. But Hunter, I imagine that you probably felt a little disturbance in the force this week. <laughs> because something came out that is 100% in your wheelhouse. Something that I'm sure you're probably not aware of, but that you need to be aware of. Well, then please make me fucking enlightened. Nidhogg 2. No, okay. The sequel to fucking Nidhogg, dude. Man, this is going to be an interesting bit because I I have I would have reservations about a sequel to Nidhogg. Yeah. And honestly, there was a, they completely changed the art style. See, it's, that's the first reservation. <laughs> exactly. And there's a lot of conversation around that, but what I want to do is I want to put this out on the table. You are incredibly competitive in Nidhogg, and we have Max, who will never let anyone be more competitive than him at anything, (laughs) and I want to throw my lot in as well. What do you say we all play Nidhogg before next week, and we have a Nidhogg 2 discussion? Okay, so play Nidhogg 2. Yes. Okay, so is it out right now? It's it is ready to be downloaded, my man. Fucking a, dude. No, I'm totally down. Um, <laughs> I will be moving over this oh, weekend. Oh shit! But yeah, I think I can make it work because uh, I'm I'm expecting it to be a nice, quick and tidy move. And come Monday and Tuesday, if you put if you put the game in my hands, I will enjoy it. And I'm really nice. excited to see like what are the differences that they're gonna do in this next one because. Some of the simplicity with the first one is like why I love it. That's like why right. I got into it. Sure. Okay. So yeah. So audience, um, we're gonna do a Nidhogg two discussion next week. So if you're interested, go ahead and get the game and play it. And I'm looking forward to talking about that. <laughs> Me too. If I'm not dominant as I was in Nidhogg one, then I'll just quickly revert. Yeah. Then I'll now go back <laughs> immediately. All right, Hunter. Before we move into questions, we still got some time to kill. I want to talk to you, man. Yeah. I want a little mono e mono because Bring it on. as you as you mentioned, you know, witty banter, it goes way back. We go way back. Mm-hmm. And it's already been two years since we moved out of a shared living situation together. Wow, yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That is and it's nuts. And like the constant advice you hear is don't move in with your best friends. And I feel like you and I fared extremely well and yep. our friendship actually probably grew because of it, which is a rarity. Yep. But we're both in a professional situation now. We're in a new phase of life. I just want to kind of hear, how's life been treating you, man? What, what, have, what have been the differences since starting your career as an accountant? Mm-hmm. And I just want to get a general sense for, for what... I remember you becoming kind of like a more uh, homebody type person who towards the end of that year and you were I feel like you were in a flux with how you were even viewing like very large yeah it your was outlook a, on it, the world it was an interesting year for sure 
um, because largely because I, I had such an idle mind. You know, it's like I just the the entire program that I went through for accounting was set up so that you'd have a solid six to eight months before working to finish your CPA stuff. And having all that time to study, but not only study, right? Like, I was like, I'm not going to study more than four or five fucking hours a day, you know? Like, that's a lot of studying. Um, Right. And then for the rest of the day, it was just like, well, shit, what am I going to do with myself? Because, like, most of my friends had moved um, from college already during that year. And, um, yeah, just kind of bored and... You know, figuring out, looking at shit online and getting sucked into random wormholes and shit. Yeah. Um, I think since I think since I have sort of gone out on my own, I have I think I've realized a, a, a bit of myself that like. I can not that I want to, but that I am able to kind of survive and deal on my own, you know, like. I thought that living on my own after after one I I lived with like ten or so people for like two years in college and they were like my best friends and it was fucking awesome, and then the next year I lived with like six of those people and that was still awesome, and then I lived with you and you were my best friend and like you said it was a fucking <laughs> great time and that was awesome, so yeah. it, it did kind of whittle down and then it was like well shit next year. I'm going to be on my own. Um, I'm going to have a full-time job. I'm going to have yeah. all of these different life changes. Am I going to be hand- – it's it, it going to overwhelm me. And it was just a pleasant surprise to learn that it didn't overwhelm me and that I could take it in stride and that I think, you know, you know, part of talking about, like, growing up in an age where you're constantly inundated with information and, new- and like, you know, all these different things. Like, I think even you and I switched schools, like, five different times. Um, I think I've been sort of bred to adapt to stuff and, um, it was just good to kind of say, be afraid of living on my own and and doing my thing, starting a professional career. It's like, well, once you start, you can't go back, you know, like, um, exactly. any, any bad mistake that you make, that's going to stick with you, you know? Sure. Um, but taking it in stride, learning from it and taking it on. Let me ask you this, like. A lot of times people tease uh, tease you because it's low-hanging fruit about being an accountant. And I remember talking <laughs> to um, shit, who, Moment, your, your, your old bassist, Moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, so Hunter's working at, like, he's an accountant, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's like, fucking sold his soul, man. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. But I imagine you get that kind of commentary a lot. But I also get the sense that you're finding a lot of fulfillment in your job because I, I think it's probably, I think it's challenging you and you're rising to that. Right. Can I, can I sort of ask you like what it's like measuring, weighing the two sides of I'm an accountant and that automatically brings these comments, but on the other side of things, this is actually what I enjoy and get out of this career field that I'm in. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great question because really I think most of that commentary that you mentioned is really due to a lack of understanding of what I actually do. You know, I mean, what I'm doing, there are people who are just accountants, right? Those people are like, let's say industry accountants. Those people, like if you're an Am- at Amazon, at Google, you're just at a company. Like right? internal accounting? Yeah. Well, yeah. 
you're just you're just account you're just an accountant for a company. So yeah. in that that is a lot more of a soldier soul. If I was gonna do that, that would be a little bit more of a sellout move because you're kind of just doing the same things every month, every quarter, every year. There's not a whole lot of variability and upward mobility in that. Um, right. What I do is I work with teams and strategize project management. I work with clients and business clients, and I basically touch on a lot of different fields from a lot of different companies. And so it's not, you know, I, I, I think a lot of that commentary is like, you know, you just brush it off because you know that that's not really what you're actually doing. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say that there's a healthy bit of fulfillment and sort of like, well, this isn't what I would I like number one choose myself to do. Like accounting isn't like a a, a passion or anything for me. Um, but but is it like I feel like you do enjoy it. I feel like you do excel at it, and I feel like you are proud of what you do. Like I remember when you got when you came back from your trip abroad and you learned you took classes about what accounting really is, and like you were fucking motivated, man. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's a mix of things, right? So I did have great. Uh, faculty and education uh in accounting like uta just has a great accounting program i had uh good friends are like the students that were also in the accounting program weren't just like nerds like you would expect like yeah. they're cool they're cool people you know and like they're they're like me and they have interesting <laughs> and awesome, insights so. yeah and i'm <laughs> and i'm fucking great um basically i had that going for me you know i had a really good education and a good school to go to for it um i have a great you know, op- opportunity to start on a career path with a great company, you know, one of the biggest, most successful companies in the world. But then also, like, um, I remember specifically having a lunch with my dad one day. Um, and he was very successful at what he did. And he, he essentially took a company that was a brick dis- distribution company, Brick and Stone, um, and they basically just sell brick and stone to people. Like, it's not even their brick and stone. They're just taking it from one place and giving it to another place. And, but he turned this company that was kind of dive bombing and he bought it at a low price, turned it around, made it quality. And then he was like a baller. Like he became very well known and, for what he did. And I kind of asked, I was like, what did you do to turn that company around to be successful? Cause like, I love my dad to death, but he's not like this genius, you know, incredibly intuitive figure. He's he he's he's a nice guy with traditional values and principles and he treats people really well. And that's kind of what he went with. He was like, "Well, you know, I had this meeting with one of my mentors growing up and I sort of told him that like I didn't know if this is something that I wanted to do, if this is something that I wanted to align myself with." And the guy that was his mentor was basically like, well, do you believe that it's a, a valuable product? Like, tell me about what the product is that you're selling or, or what, what it is you're actually doing. And so my dad was just like, well, Brick's been around for thousands of fucking years. And, like, people live and breathe because they have shelters, you know, to, to, yeah. to protect them and stuff. And slowly but surely, I think my dad started realizing and making me realize that, if you have something that you actually believe in the va- that the value is there that you're not scheming people or faking it you know like you have just cause for fully aligning what you are with what that is um that you should and so 
why again like I don't think it's a passion of mine. In fact, it's, I'm not very intuitively good with accounting. I would say I'm better at like finance or just mathematics, you know? Um, right. But with accounting, I, I, w- I wouldn't say I'm necessarily intuitive at it, but it is something that like I, I fully believe is necessary and important uh, for the economy, for businesses, for people. Um, keeping track and documenting things is fucking mundane sometimes but it's important because you hold people accountable for shit and so yeah i don't know i kind of i i try and find the silver linings that i can <laughs> yeah that's awesome dude thanks for thanks for opening up on that one for sure it's anytime good, it's thank you for you. asking yeah of course um all right well let's go ahead and jump on in to the mail corner i'm gonna give this one over to nick it's gonna be nick's mail corner it's, it's mail Perfect. And uh, there's a very acute reason for that. You know, you mentioned the like very long episode uh, streak that Dunter has had. Been a very dedicated listener and emailer of the show. Yeah. Uh, no question from Dunter this week. Ooh, is that the first one? And like, that's just pretty incredible, dude. <laughs> Dropping that multiplier right now, and that's I'm sure that stings that, a little bit. Yeah, he's on a 60 week note streak. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Well, so, everybody has well, off weeks, you know. Yeah, and I hope everything's. I hope Dunter is well. I hope I'll he's put, alive. I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the first email comes from none other than Max Scott, keeping a nice little witty banter tradition alive. That if you're not on the show, you have to be on it anyway. I love it. An unspoken agreement, basically. It, Exactly. He says, I'm sure in my absence, the show has been a complete mess so far. So hopefully I can save it with a really cool question. That Get fucked, dick. Max. That if dick. you could train under someone to learn their abilities, one fictional and one non-fictional, who would it be? Keep in mind, you should choose a mentor who is not only a talented teacher, but whose abilities could be passed down to you. For example, you can't learn Superman's powers by simply training under him. Oh, and Hunter, try to think of someone other than Geralt, the predictable <laughs> schmuck. <laughs> he pretty much nailed always, me. <laughs> yeah. Keep it tight, diddle pimps. I'll see you next week. Uh, well, you need I a think, fictional and non-fictional mentor. I mean, I think you know. One, it's a good question, and two, it's it's given a good boundary because. You would like to think with a fictional character that you just get to learn their powers, but that's not necessarily the case, right? Right. Um, so, I'm going to give you my non-fictional one. Okay. Right? This is a real person who I would want to learn from. Like if they, if I if they could actually bequeath to me all of their skills, this is who I would choose, and I would say Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, that's pretty. Fucking Teach awesome. me to sculpt and to paint and to draw. I would. I would kill for that skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, me fucking too, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> in, in making an anime uh-huh. and like wanting to fucking make cool pictures of people doing cool shit, yeah. I just get literally so... render your mind's eye onto physical, into physical space. Right. Yeah. I get so frustrated and so much discomfort. At the fact that I can't do yeah. that as well as much as I want to, um, that's a pretty great one. Um, nice. I think that it's pretty lame, you know, going back to accounting and shit, um, <laughs> because like the first one that came to mind was like Mark Cuban. Like people don't like that dude, 
but I think that his analysis is pretty fucking valuable. Like really? Yeah. Like like he basically take the shiner or the the primer off of Bitcoin for me. Like I was like, dude, Bitcoin's going to be fucking everything. And then I heard him kind of succinctly talk about why he's skeptical about Bitcoin. And I was like, holy shit. I yeah. totally believe it. <laughs> I totally believe him. Um, and then just watching him run, run the Shark Tank, which is a good show. You know, like he just runs that shit. And he's either like in or he's out. Or if he doesn't know, he asks like really pointed questions and gets to the heart of it really quickly. Uh-huh. I just think that that would be fucking so valuable. I wish I. You think you think that guy's sort of like the symbolic best business mind out there right now? Business, I would say, up there. If not, yes. I mean, because he has he has foresight. He has, um, you know, he has a mind to want to find innovative products, and he like knows how markets are trending and shit and he's not just like you know he's not just like an owner of a maverick team you know and he's not just some yahoo finance you know one and done blowout sensation thing um he's he's the person as far as a business mentor that i would fucking love to work under nice okay um so i've got my pick for fictional do you want me to go first or do you got one yeah please do i think i'm gonna have to ruminate on it for a second all right, man. Here we go. You ready for this shit? Yeah. Fucking Pi May, dude. Oh shit, dude. The Quint, you're gonna want to train under Pi May. Yeah, I'm there, dude. It's gonna be brutal, dude. but then no one's gonna fuck with me. Super shitty. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> like, dude, do the I mean, one inch punch talking. until you can punch through a four inch board would blow. I'm ready. I remember talking to Max. I was like, dude, if a fucking letter showed up tomorrow that said, Chase, pack your bags, drop everything, forget your life. We're going to train you for 10 years under these monks and you will be a Kung Fu master by the end of it. I'm like, I'm there. I'm done. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I'm just like, I guess like I should try and go for movies too. Because what I'm finding is like when I think about like video game characters or anime characters, they just all have crazy powers and shit. They got powers, yeah. And so, uh, maybe like it would be pretty cool to like be mentored by maybe not mentored, but maybe to like work alongside uh, Will Hunting, uh, yeah, from Good Will Hunting, just to like to be around s- a fucking genius that like knew everything and like owned people. Um, <laughs> exactly. Get some osmosis. See some sick burns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be pretty fucking funny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a Michael Caine. And a Michael Caine. <laughs> All right. Um, last question today comes from Dooney Ray. Okay. Says, what up, foos? I hope this week is coming along well. I'm sure most gamers make some sort of list at the beginning of the year with their must-have video games. They'll periodically add or remove games as the year goes on. So, gentlemen, what comprises your criteria that a video game must meet in order f- for you to label it a must-have? Peace, your boy Israel. Now, Hunter, I'm going to spin this question a little bit differently for you. But yeah, please first, do. First, I will answer uh, Dooney's question. 
For me, uh, first of all, E3 is always a great time to see what the new games are going to be on the horizon. Uh, basically, in, in, this is what I look for when I'm, when I'm comprising this list, right? I look for visual... I'm a big sucker for visuals. So if a game looks unlike something I've ever seen before, I'm usually pretty drawn in. Right. Like, for instance, there was a game, and I already can't even fucking remember what it was called, but there was a game that got shown off during E3 this year. And it's like this pixel art cyberpunk game that immediately when I saw it drew me in. I was like, that is beautiful. Like, yeah. I just want to look at this, right? Yep. Um, and the same thing with the game called Project Octopath Traveler, which is a ridiculous name, but that was shown off at the Nintendo Switch reveal event, and I was like, that game looks stunning. Like, that looks like unlike anything I've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge factor. Uh, of course, I'm always interested to see what some of my favorite developers and publishers are doing. I'm a huge fan of Devolver Digital. I, I feel like the way that they publish games, they've sort of made themselves almost as like a record label, where all the games that they publish has a very distinct feel and you could tell that it's a devolver game. Yeah. That's nice. Um, and so there's that. And then lastly, I will just look for games that my friends are playing or that I want to play with my friends. And I try to have a good balance of games that everyone is going to play that year. And then some games that people knew about, but didn't play. And then I can be, I can have the word on that game. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how I go about games. Um, Hunter, what kind of stuff do you kind of get stoked on from year to year? Like, do you really have have any sort of medium or entertainment or even non-entertainment wise that you kind of track and follow and, and, and get hyped for? Um, I mean, outside of my future boner segments, um, right. as far as, you know, keeping to games, I think one, like I am a sucker for an awesome canvas too, right? Like, if I see something that just astounds me, then obviously I'm going to be like, well, fuck yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's kind of a little obvious. But also, I mean, I try, I, I'm fully aware of my um, sort of niche in games and like the kinds of games that I like. And a lot of those boil down to like just accessibility. Like, is it something that is going to take me, I know one, like sometimes you'll talk about how, you know, the best parts of some of these games, you have to wait until you're like, you know, 20 or 40 hours into the game before you can get to the fucking meat of it, you know? And I don't really want to do that. Like I want to, I want to be able to kind of like start up, go and get sucked into it as quickly as possible and right. have the best stuff not not be on a platter but like i'm down to work a little bit for some of the best shit but like well, your time is more limited now you know for sure you know and like i don't i don't place you, as much of a value on 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 video games because i have less time to attribute it you know so right so when i do have a video game that i want to play it's usually one that um uh is sort of like not I don't want to make it sound like I'm a fucking simple putz, but that, you know, it, it's something that isn't so obsessed with the grandiose epicness of it that it's going to take me, you know, my entire fucking, all of my spare time to get into it. Right. Um, and that usually comes down to, like, turn-based strategy games. Um, I still like racing games. Um, Hell yeah. 
but like I'm not gonna I'm not new gonna Gran s- Turismo this year, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like and not not maybe like first at or uh, first person like role player games. I'm into those still. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it just really comes down to finding a few types of games like genres of games that I'm into and if it's if it looks like it's a concept that I'm into and it looks good and it's got good reviews and my friends suggest it for me, you know, I've got a lot of different input that I can take from and kind of decide whether or not I'm going to do it. Yeah, and I mean when it comes to friend input like honestly not, there's a, um, one of the most satisfying things I feel in life is actually uh giving people video games that they end up liking. <laughs> like I love recommending games and I've been on a fucking streak with Cole Blair uh and his girlfriend. They've been trying to come together and play different video games like co-op wise and I've been just nice. fucking knocking it out of the park. They're like, "Yeah, dude, we played this game all night." And I'm like, "Yes!" Yes. <laughs> That's good shit, man. No, I I can personally attest to that. Unfortunately, I, I haven't tried all of the games that you have, <laughs> that you have mentioned. Well, I probably send you like a list of fifteen. So yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Um, that's been the majority of the. Sh- that's 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 the show. That's episode one one seven. You know, just like Spartan one one seven. Little <laughs> shout out to the uh, the Halo man there. Um, tell me a little bit about your beer. Uh, give me your closing remarks, and we'll we'll get out of here. I just finished it. Um. You know, I really, I really dressed it up in the at the half after halftime. I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say. Yeah. Um, I respect the shit out of Eleven Below Brewery even more. Um, if I was gonna put a a number on it, I'd probably give it like an eight point five. Nice. Very good. It's up there. Yeah. Very good. Um, and I, and I, and it's just. It's it's different than than stuff I've had, but it's it's interesting to have something that you feel like is different from what you know maybe the majority of the other beers that you've ever had are. But you would imagine that it's sort of the standard or like like maybe a benchmark type of taste for a certain type of beer. Um, sure. And so yeah, very good. Uh, two thumbs up. Fuck yeah. Uh well you know what since we're fuck we're throwing it back we're putting numbers on it just like the olden days I'm gonna do the same dude I'm gonna go ahead and fall in line I'm I've bought into the hype I've experienced for myself I'm gonna give the pumpkin ale from Dogfish Head a nine beer's awesome dude right dude it's it's a beer that comes around every year and people it flies off the shelf you know it's it's limited quality and I I think it's totally earned it's a beer that's very complex but very approachable. It's got a great mouthfeel. It's easy to drink. It's not overly sweet. It has the taste of pumpkin in there in a way that isn't, um, it's not like, it doesn't feel like it's flavored, right? It's not like some distillation of a flavor. I mean, it feels like you have bitten into a baked and spiced pumpkin, but it's a beer. Right. And that's awesome. It's not gimmicky. Right. Totally. Yeah. I was actually going to ask that. I was like, is it? Is it really pumpkin-y, or is it pumpkin-ish, or is it fake pumpkin? But it sounds pretty excellent. Totally. Um, man, it was over before it began. <laughs> yeah. We whizzed we through are. it, man. We did. Hunter, it's a pleasure, as always, to podcast with you. We've been doing this for a long time. I honestly think podcasting has helped me even in like my career. Yeah, you know? dude. I fucking love telling people I have a podcast. They love it. They eat it up, and I just <laughs> I had, I self identify with it a lot. 
So, yeah, we'll keep doing it. Me too. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. Listeners, thank you as always. Witty Banter can be found on iTunes. Just search Witty Banter, hit subscribe. All of our episodes will show up in your download queue for free. We're also on Stitcher and Google Play. And if you don't have those, you can go to our website directly, which is wittybantershow.com. Follow me on Twitter. Answer my Twitter polls so we can have more arguments on the show. That is <laughs> at Bodacious Chase. Look up Hunter on SoundCloud. His band is Casual Interference. And they're also on Spotify. And they're fucking awesome. <laughs> and if you haven't already, if you're subscribed to our show, leave us a rating. It actually helps us get discovered. Yes, um, sir. And it would be great to grow the audience. Get the Winter Banter, or the Witty Banter Nation a little bit bigger in there. Uh, without further ado... That's all we've got. Episode 117 is in the books, and we'll see you all next week. Beto Pepo. Perfect. Beto Pepo. Beto Pepo.